Hi, I'm Gabby. Welcome to the final episode of 2023 of the Happier Life Project, brought to you by the award-winning free mental health and wellness app, My Possible Self. For our Ask the Expert Christmas episode, our guest is Dr. Claire Plumley, a clinical psychologist specialising in trauma, anxiety and burnout. Alongside her online therapy practice, Dr. Claire creates engaging short form videos on improving your mental health on social media. And she runs regular online workshops for overcoming stress, procrastination and unhealthy boundaries. Dr. Claire is also currently writing a book on how to recover from burnout. So we'll definitely be bringing her back sometime next year too. But because I really get into it from the start with Dr. Claire talking about Christmas and how it can not always be the best time of year for our mental health, I think we should just get straight into it. Ready to find a healthier, happier you? Let's get started. Welcome Dr. Claire to the Happier Life Project. This is our second Ask the Expert episode and this is purely dedicated to listeners and app users questions and problems and it gives you guys the opportunity to put anything to our experts and I am merely asking your questions on the podcast today and they are all themed around Christmas. Now we know that Christmas is supposed to be a time of good cheer, relaxation and celebration but for many Christmas is the opposite. It can be stressful, depressing, lonely. Many people are unhappy at Christmas. And according to the National Institute of Health, they can experience mental health problems. Dr. Clay, you are a clinical psychologist and director of Good Therapy Limited. I wondered before we get into everybody's questions, what you had observed over this Christmas period. Do you find that your patients that already come and see you struggle more? Do you find that you get an increase in people wanting to get some help from you and your team? Actually, so what I tend to find with the referrals being made to us is they slow down a little bit at this point. I think there's a lot of emphasis on people kind of thinking Christmas is ahead and actually taking the time to look at themselves and what support they need kind of goes out the window a little bit. And then what I noticed literally last year on Christmas Day, we had three inquiries that popped in to the inbox. So they kind of take off from around Christmas Day onwards. And I think that's when everybody is suddenly you know, in all those situations that can be quite overstimulating or, or triggering their back with family members who might mm. set off old, you know, patterns of relating ah. and, um, you know, having to negotiate, sorting out the children with ex-partners. And there's so much there that can be really hard for us to navigate. Um, and mm. suddenly people go, hang on a minute, I need to get this um, sorted for next Christmas. <laughs> so let's get booked in now. So yeah, that's the trend mm. that I've noticed in my practice the last couple of years. Right. Are you a fan of Christmas yourself? Um, I do like Christmas. Yeah, I, I think my favourite bit is the anticipation, but when it's kind of paced and not too much. Mm, I know what you mean. I personally really enjoy the build up to Christmas, but I don't know what it is from Christmas day onwards. I kind of feel a bit hollow. It's very anticlimactic for me, at least. Uh, anyway, I think we should get into our listeners' questions. 
Okay, here's the first one. Please, can you share some advice on how to deal with unpredictable family members, especially when they drink and you don't know how they will react? Yeah, that's really hard, isn't it? Drink, drink is hard and unpredictability is hard. Although I suppose at least you have a sense that they might be unpredictable. So some predictability in, in that which you can maybe work with. Good point. In terms of that, I would take some time to think about what your boundaries are and how you might choose to react if they start to behave in a way that doesn't feel good. So what will you tolerate and what will you feel like, actually, I, I don't need to, to to do anything about that. I'm happy. That's within my tolerance levels. But setting aside a little bit of time to, to do that before you're in these kind of family gatherings might be just a good investment because then you can plan what you'll do. So will you remove yourself from the situation or perhaps politely decline to engage in certain conversations because you can think ahead well what tends to be a bit of a trigger for this person is there anything where they might you know um, get more unpredictable about any topics or kind of games and maybe just do that if it's you know suitable and appropriate in conversation with any other family members who you know might feel the same um, because you know, you might be able to seek allies around planning of the events that you're getting together where this person can behave in a way like that. I really relate to this person, especially the drinking part. And that unpredictability just gets heightened, doesn't it? You know, anything can set them off if they've been drinking a lot. Yeah. And then you kind of feel like you're walking on eggshells. It's so unpleasant, isn't it? And so that, that takes me on to to maybe managing your own nervous system. So finding ways that you can pace yourself in these situations so that you can take yourself away and, and calm yourself so that you can be able to be as kind of clear headed or you know, non-responsive to, to the things so that you feel like you're managing it in the way that that best suits the situation, what you need. So that might be taking yourself out and having a walk or confiding in a, a friend or just going into the kitchen next door. And like all of this is really important. And maybe just think about planning it in. And if you're going to someone's house, you might even say to them, is there somewhere, you know, when I'm feeling a bit like I need a break that I can go and sit and just be quiet for, for five minutes. Yeah, good advice there. Okay, the next one is about Christmas gifting. I really struggle with Christmas gifting. Why do I feel the need to compete with my ex-wife? Ah, uh, yeah, that's hard, isn't it? I think uh, Christmases, split Christmases is, is tricky and um, it's really natural to, to feel this kind of sense of competition around gift giving, around significant occasions like birthdays and Christmas. Um, and if you think about what's at the heart of that, it is around your bond with your children and, and wanting them to feel loved and, and valued by you um, and you know the your ex-wife will be feeling the same so you know maybe just think about what is the biggest motivation for that competitiveness you know are are you is there also a fear for example that you might be seen as less caring or less generous than her um, or do you worry that your kids prefer spending more time with her um, if you can just you know, this could be something, a question to journal on, like what is um, at the root of this competitiveness? Because then you can try and deal with that more constructively um, for yourself rather than just kind of, I mean, it's great that you're pausing and thinking this is a pattern I get into. You obviously don't like it in yourself, but, you know, being competitive is, is a natural 
part of humans we can't help having that in us it's, it's there for a reason to help motivate us towards things that are important for us so we can't get rid of competitiveness but we can just be conscious of our motivations for it and um pause when we notice that pull in that direction um and you know your ex-wife probably does feel the same so if you are in a place where you can have these amicable conversations could you maybe chat to her and agree a budget um and ensure that you're not trying to unintentionally outdo each other maybe just have that kind of honest honest conversation that you notice this you know urge to try and um get a certain level of present and you know does she feel the same and can you kind of unite and showing your kids that you're together on the same page and you know that would be lovely for the kids as well to not feel this tussle um because they might be able to pick up on that as well yeah um, yeah something that i'm working on this year is trying to not feel like I have to financially match the same value present mm. of whatever somebody is getting me because I've just had loads of outgoings this year and I know further down the line into January, that's really going to get me into trouble if I do. Yeah, totally. You're thinking about future you, which is what I like. Yeah. It's, it's not just about being reactive to the current situation and you're being kind of aware of that pressure, internal pressure that you're putting on yourself. Exactly. Okay, next one. I find it hard at Christmas because I miss more than ever familiars, I think that might mean family members, who have passed away. Mm. I don't think there is anything I can do to feel better about this. I mean, that's so hard. So I, I just want to say how sorry I am for your loss, first of all. Um, and this festive season does to intensify those feelings of grief um because we we really long for those people who are no longer with us and that that longing and loss the science shows us that the networks in our brain that light up around the pain of that is the same as if we'd been physically hurt so it's such a strong physiological feeling so it's really natural and valid to to miss them and to to long for them well there isn't a quick fix fix for the pain of that but we can try and find ways to honor those feelings alongside ways of making the most of the christmas period so you know first of all maybe just allow yourself some space to grieve and to be okay with the fact that you're going to miss them it is natural part of the healing process and there are going to be these anniversaries you know that you have to go through you know the first time and then afterwards and it it, it, it's harder if you put a pressure on yourself to have a brave face the whole time. Um, you know, it's possible to have two emotions or more than two emotions at one point and throughout the day, you can cycle through them quite quickly. So if you start to feel sad, it doesn't mean the whole day is going to be a sad day. You know, you might have a sad moment where grief bubbles up and then the next moment might bring something new. So just notice how your, your emotions move through you and also that you can have the two at once. So, you know, you can in a moment miss someone and feel sad they're not here and you can notice what you do have that you're here with this other person who does fill you up but it, it, i think it's a, a bizarre concept for us to think we can have two at once but we, we can in terms of a practical thing you might want to have some sort of special tribute to the person who's gone maybe lighting a candle or playing their favorite maybe christmas carol or something like that or sharing a story because there's a strong idea in our culture that once someone's um died that we say goodbye and we move on and actually um there's a lot of research shows that when we find a way to honor them and hold their stories alive that can continue to bring us you know joy and connection to them and makes it 
you know it gives us permission to feel like we can enjoy Christmas as well rather because we're not forgetting them wow I didn't know that or think about it that way that's really lovely I guess people would think it's too painful to go down that route but I really like the idea of yeah. flipping it. And, it. and it might be painful, but like I say, it can be both. And I feel like I'm honoring and it is painful, but, you know, it is also special to me and meaningful and, and that's important. Mm. Hi, Dr. Claire. I saw that you specialize in burnout. All I want to do over Christmas is rest as I have a really stressful job and work long hours. But my partner has made all of these plans for our days off. I don't want to disappoint, but I'm so tired. I feel like crying. His job is not as intense. I don't want to let him down and spoil Christmas for him, but I'm finding it hard to bring up as I'm too tired to get into what will probably turn into an argument. What do you advise? So what I like here is that someone has really identified what their needs are which is really hard in this day and age we do tend to um well it's very easy for people to put other people's needs first um and burn out further because of that so just hats off to you for recognizing that you're tired and that you need to use the christmas period to rest and recuperate because yeah that's not easy but yeah this feels like another a, a question about boundaries and how to communicate these you know, giving yourself permission to communicate your wishes is really important. So when you communicate what you want, clearly, it means that you're less likely to get a buildup of frustration and anger around not having your needs met. And that will bubble up in other ways where you might become passive aggressive. So for example, if I've gone on day trips, that I don't want to go on, I might huff and puff or sigh, or like almost you know, not enjoy it or get into it as much. So that's me kind of showing I didn't really want to come. And so that's the 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 risk is that you become grumpy or flippant and sarcastic and things like this. So it, it is a, a better investment to try and find wording that allows you to clearly say, actually, I really, so thank him. So appreciate all the effort he's gone into this because he obviously really cares for you and your relationship and it's lovely. And I'm sure that's something um, at the back of your mind as well. So I'd definitely start with that as a as a place of appreciation for his efforts of, you know, setting this day aside and planning it. Um, mm-hmm. And then also just saying, and the thing is, I do need to use some of this annual leave to rest. You know, what you've just said to me, I'm so tired I could cry. That that is a feeling that a lot of people have a sense of at some point in their life. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, how can we pace ourselves? You know, could we do a day on day off? How, how else can he get his needs met? Maybe thinking, giving him permission to think about days out with other people in his life as well. And that that's something that you, you wholeheartedly kind of support so that, um, you know, it, it, he's not trying to get all his needs met just in this one relationship with you. Um, because, that sometimes can happen in relationships as well. More great advice and I hope that helps. Okay, next one. Hi, what techniques can I use for social anxiety and calming down? I still haven't gone Christmas shopping, for example, because I can't bring myself to go to the shops at the weekend and I'm dreading New Year's Eve. Yeah. Um, I mean, everywhere is just so busy and stimulating at the moment. The shops are noisier, there's music pumping, it's harder to find parking. And then mm-hmm. I'm, I don't know what's happening on New Year's Eve that you're dreading, but I'm assuming it's some sort of gathering. So again, this 
a lot of in value in investing a bit of planning ahead time um, because then maybe you can do practical things around like going when it's quieter when the shops first open or planning a new year's eve that is better suited to what you need right now maybe something a bit smaller mm. um but you know using calming techniques before during and after any kind of social visits can really support your nervous system in the moment so these are things that really you need to practice in advance of being in a situation when you are triggered deep belly breathing box breathing all of these types of breathing exercises where you're finding a slow um, soothing breathing rhythm has um, an instant impact on your physiology slowing your heart rate down and that brings calm it's hard to slip into that when you're already anxious if you haven't practiced that's why i'm suggesting you practice and i like doing because i am an emdr therapist and um, use tapping bilateral tapping i've got some on my social media where i introduce slow tapping which can be really supportive to the nervous system as well um, so people can take a look at that. But the final technique that you could try, which is quite a nice one, um, and I do this in therapy with people, is before a trip out or a party is to visualize um, how that might pan out. So you can start from the beginning all the way through to the end where you're home safe and sound again. So maybe picture where you're going to go, where you might sit for your cup of tea mid-shop, where you're going to park. And try just bringing to mind gently the problems that you're worried about coming up, you know, so mm. that you can then pitch yourself how, how you would handle them. And you can even add that in as a, as a coping statement, I can handle this and imagine what you'll do. So you're kind of creating the answers. And often this kind of exercise supports people to go, actually, I can't, I do have that in me because we're very disconnected when we're anxious to our coping abilities. So this just reconnects us to that. Mm, gosh, these questions are all so relatable. And on with the next one, I suffer from depression and I really struggle with pretending to be in a good mood and keeping up the festive charade. Last year, I was called out for withdrawing and not being around. Mm. I thought that was better than bringing others down and I'm not good at faking it. But Christmas just makes me feel worse about my life. What do you suggest? So, yeah, first of all, I'm sorry that you're struggling with your mental health. And, you know, that it is hard at Christmas. There's so much pressure to be a certain way. Um, and, um, yeah, that can just ramp up that self-monitoring of how I'm coming across, which, again, then leads us to feel worse about ourselves because we might have a certain expectation. Is there someone, you know, who you like to spend Christmas with that you could just and feel like you have a trusting relationship with who you can confide in about all of this you know maybe you could um talk to them about the fact that you are struggling with your mental health and how you would benefit from being in any social situation so that they've got some context um to the withdrawal and they understand that's actually um helping you to turn up in a certain way that turning up at all for example so you know maybe it is just being part of the gathering for a short period and then taking yourself off and, and you know, tending to your nervous system. And I think people, if they understand what's going on, sometimes they can be a bit more compassionate. Yeah. I'm just looking at another question that came in. That's very, very similar. How can I deal with the pressure of feeling happy all the time with friends, family members at work with my flatmates when life stresses and worries carry on? So they're not saying they have depression, but they're definitely feeling under a lot of pressure to, 
I guess, put on a performance of being happy and merry and jolly and all the things we associate with Christmas at the detriment to their own mental health. Yeah, I mean, it's it's similar, really, isn't it? That, um, you know, all emotions are valid. It's, it's really hard when we feel we should be behaving in a certain way, like to give space to all the different emotions. But what all the psychology research and books show us is that the more we push against those feelings rather than listening to what they're trying to tell us, the more they bounce up um, and um, and bother us further. So, you know, what, what are your feelings? What is it about the stress? There's something there that you need to tend to. So, you know, maybe taking some time to journal on it or talk through with a friend, all the things that's going on with you, trusted friend and that mm. might give you some contextualizing I, I often find that in therapy when someone comes in very upset or stressed and they are being they're minimizing what's going on for themselves and actually when we talk about everything that's going on they can see actually there's you know this thing at work and this um, maybe an argument with this friend that's been rumbling on and my kids are tricky at the moment and, and actually once they can see that bigger picture they're able to be much more compassionate towards their own feelings but yeah, I think, again, it, it's it's doing that and then pacing yourself and just choosing when you want to try and go out and be part of the Christmas fun and when you need time for yourself and giving yourself permission to take that time. Yeah, sit and watch Elf. Yeah, <laughs> love Elf. <laughs> or, 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 yeah, me too. Or another one. I actually, I'm going to share this with you, Dr. Claire, because I just, I read it in an article. I thought it was quite interesting. There's the relative lack of privacy that comes from having your house full of people, which is a known cause of stress. Mm. I hadn't even looked at it like that because sometimes you just think, what you know, these are all people that I'm fond of. Like, why am I not excited or whatever? But maybe there is that, like, just a load of people being in your space or you being in somebody else's space, maybe. Totally. Yeah, no, I can see that. It's really tricky isn't it and then if you're hosting as well there's a feeling of I need to as soon as I almost walk out my bedroom I need to have my game face on to and Mm. put other people's needs first so it's lack of privacy and then you know lack of emotional space and boundaries like it feels like that all kind of it's harder to maintain yeah okay the next one that was sent in is just one line not finding sense in Christmas what's the point yeah. I mean, I, I'm wondering if you've always felt like this um, or if this is a feeling just, you know, right now this year. So, I mean, if it is a, a more recent feeling, then maybe that could this could be a sign that there's something more going on that you're feeling a bit low or tired or burnt out or just overstimulated by it all because there's such a long lead in and there's so much, you know, stuff thrown at us, expectations on social media and, you know, on advertising and and you know people trying to get us to go do the secret santa in the office and christmas meals mm. it's just it's a lot so it might just be your nervous system and body saying actually this is too much i just need a break so you know maybe maybe take a bit of time to listen to that mm. if this is a feeling you get every christmas then i guess it's an opportunity to just work out what your ideas and values are around Christmas and how Christmas could better match those. Cause you know, maybe it is less about get gifts and all of this kind of hype around getting the perfect gift for people. Maybe it is more about just, you know, one thing with one person spending some time with them. Like, so maybe what would help you connect to what's important at this time of year. Um, and maybe Christmas has got nothing to do with it. Maybe it's, you know, nice walks and the cold or 
I don't know, taking time to rest when work stops and everybody's off work for that, you know, Christmas week. Like just maybe think not just about Christmas, but just about this winter time and what your nervous system body needs when it's kind of cold outside. I'm assuming you're in Britain and it's cold. <laughs> mm. um, don't know how wide your listenership goes. No, no, it's pretty wide. Oh, is it? But I guess our majority are from the UK. Okay, the next one. Hi, please can you ask the experts, how can I overcome my fear around food over the Christmas period? I have a big family and all we do is go to each other's houses and eat and drink. Mm. I can't seem to stop myself with all the sweet treats, but then I feel so guilty and uncomfortable afterwards. It doesn't seem worth it. It's it's tricky, isn't it? Because, you know, most of us have a bit of a love-hate relationship with food. We're, we're built to, to crave the kind of um, and really enjoy and find, you know, motivating to eat those high energy foods um, that's on tap during Christmas. But then we're kind of holding the back of our mind, oh, I need to maintain a certain shape and weight and look a certain way and don't want to look greedy and all of that. So it is a, a, a time that's, you know, tricky for lots of people because of that um, weighing yeah. up and dynamic. I don't know what it's like for you, Gabby, but my family and my husband's family have very different attitudes towards food during the Christmas periods. And it, my family uh, sounds similar to this person's in that we would have, or we have chocolates and sweets in bowls out and around and nuts and, and everything, like everywhere. <laughs> my husband's family aren't so much like that. So it was interesting the first time I went and had Christmas there, because even though I was, you know, this sense of anticipation is going to be lots of food and I need to you know, try and only eat five chocolates or something like this, I'd have <laughs> these little rules. And then there was nothing <laughs> out. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I kind of was just interested that, that it felt less Christmassy to me without everything out. But Anyway, I'm not answering the question yet. So um, what I would say is that the important thing is to just bring compassion to this feeling because we are in a tricky place where we're being told different things, right? Be festive and eat and like, be mindful of, you know, the new year kind of coming. And and actually, you know, food is a really lovely way of celebrating with people. And sometimes we lose sight of that. It is a way of coming together. And so can we just enjoy this festive period and let go of expectations around what we should and shouldn't be doing for this? It's really not a long time. You know, it's really not a long period where we can just go with the flow a little bit. Um, and maybe are there are ways, ways to do that so that you can be more comfortable. Maybe, you know, this person said they feel uncomfortable, you know, could they just wear slightly looser fitting clothes? Um, and can you just hold in mind that, you know, maybe it is okay to put a bit of weight on over Christmas, you know, that almost feels blasphemous mm -hmm. to say, but actually, you know, it is, it's okay. So yeah, show compassion to yourself that you are in this place. And I, I think what a lot of the research shows about food is the more we try and restrict and the tighter the rules we have, the more it is that we crave those those foods. Whereas if we try and just allow ourselves to eat in front of other people, that can be tricky for many people, um, and um, just go with what's on, on offer, we can um, not cr crave those things so much. That's certainly the case for people who find themselves binge eating. I'm sure this person, like a lot of people, has some sort of routine around food. And that is really hard to maintain when you're at other people's houses. You can't have the same rules. So just go with the flow a little bit, but you know, see what is within your control. Because if there are days when you are at home, you can kind of think about, well, how can I manage those days where I'm feeling more comfortable again? And try and just maybe balance it a little bit that way. Like that. Okay. Can you offer any suggestions for how to get through the financial pressures of Christmas? 
Yeah, I mean, it is really tricky, isn't it? There's a cost of living crisis. And many people are in the position of having less disposable income for presents. Um, so this is like a question about financial boundaries. There's again, like I've said, there's so much pressure to buy um, things. And I find every year that seems to increase. So, you know, not only was there a secret Santa at work but now my daughter's coming home she's in year eight and saying oh my class is doing a secret santa you need to buy me something and so <laughs> i i had to say look we, we, we can't keep saying yes to these things so having to teach my daughter <laughs> financial boundaries as well mm -hmm. um which yeah. will help me um so you know take some time again to work out what your budget is. I think a lot of people aren't always that aware of what's coming in and out. So it is just a useful exercise. Like how much is in the bank? How much will I have in January? What What is realistic that's not gonna make future me uncomfortable? Cause you know, there's lots of options to buy now, pay later, but is that what you really want for, you know, yourself in six months time to be paying things then? You know, just let the people know who need to know what your boundaries are. There's a really good book. I've talked about boundaries a lot today, but um, Set Boundaries Fight Into Peace by Nedra Glover Tawab. Can I just like drop that in? Because I think if anybody wants to kind of deep dive into boundaries, that's a really good book to go and, and take time to read. But yeah, she gives ideas about what you can say to people because a lot of people I find just don't have the wording for boundaries and they can feel like they're being too assertive or almost aggressive if they, they put a boundary in place. But what we know is that mental health and you're less likely to burn out if you're kind of doing these regularly um so yeah just let some, like, whoever needs to know that this year you won't be buying presents or you'll be doing like a five pound limit um there is a lot out there that says you can do making gifts and gift your time yes you can but hold in mind that that's still quite a big thing to be offering it, you know gift um sorry crafting i think i said gifting crafting is expensive and takes a lot of time and energy and you know if you're already feeling squeezed financially that might not be something you want to add to your plate so don't so just be careful about those things i'd say they, they are really lovely but don't feel like you have to offer something you can just say this year i won't be gifting and if they choose to give you a gift that is up to them you know don't you, you will you maybe feel a little bit of guilt that you haven't but you can manage your guilt it doesn't mean that your guilt is telling you you then need to rush out and buy a gift the guilt is there, um, but you can just ride that guilt out because you've set the boundary and you've just, you've already dealt with it. Gosh, yeah, that's really resonated. And you've just reminded me that there's a family member I need to message and be like, is it okay if we don't get each other Christmas presents this year? Because I'm already quite stretched. Yeah. That's definitely a light bulb moment for me, financial boundaries. I guess I wouldn't or haven't thought about it that way before, but you could apply that to outside of Christmas as well, you know, with your friends, with your family. Totally. And if you think about when someone said to you, oh, um, um, you know, I'm not going to come out for dinner because I'm, you know, saving up for something or I'm not able to um, afford it this month, you know, how you felt towards them. You know, I've always just felt really compassionate and like, okay, I completely understand. And often, you know, willing to kind of compromise and suggest an alternative that is better for them. So, you know, don't suffer on your own with these worries your friends and family want the best for you and you know you're a team so allow them in with these issues if if you feel able to such a good point i think we've covered pretty much most of them and i do want to be mindful of time so let's wrap up our christmas questions with this one what are your top three tips for managing 
our mental health over the Christmas period? Um, okay, well, the first one I'd say is to try and let go of any high perfectionist standards around what Christmas should be. Because we all have these traditions um, around what Christmas would look like, we can hold ourselves very accountable for meeting these. But traditions are basically rules, rules for how things should be. And we can choose to change those rules or, or break the, them. There's no there's no Christmas police. And, you know, when we create our own traditions that suit us better, as we are now adults in this situation, we're much more likely to enjoy our Christmas. So, you know, where do, what are, what is underneath your perfectionist standards? Are they traditions that you can modify or, or update to better suit you and your family and friends right now? The second one I'd say is to try and take some time before the festive chaos. <laughs> um, maybe chaos is a, an unkind word, but um, I mean, it can feel a little bit like that when there's suddenly lots happening. So just take some time before everything gets busy, if it's not too late, to think about, you know, if you get to the end of the Christmas period and it's been a good one, what kind of would that have looked like? How would you have spent your time? Who would you have been with? Um, how would you have turned up to those moments with those people? You know, would it also include time on your own? And what will that look like? I know I keep coming back to this idea, but I think the biggest problem we have is we never take any time to reflect and plan, we tend to just go from one thing to another because our world is so busy um, and there's so much being asked of us all the time and we're on tap with our phones and you know emails all the time. So I just think space for yourself can really help. And my final thought was to pace yourself. So less is more. Um, I think the big biggest problem a lot of us struggle with is that we are overloaded with options and, you know, we see other people doing fun things and there are lots of potential, you know, things we could see at the cinema, at the theatre, new pubs opening. Like, there's so many things that actually the, the best skill we can practice is to pause before we agree to doing something and working out what your motivation is. Is it something you really want to do because you're going to see something that's really meaningful to you? Or is your motivation more from a, a negative place of fear of missing out so that you can kind of like use some calming skills to manage that that fear of missing out kind of feeling and mm. focus your energy on the things that will fill you up and are motivated from a positive place. This has been so helpful. Thank you, Dr. Claire Plumley. I can't let you go, though, until we do our signature sign-off, which is the Happier Life Project's last five in five. So these are the same five questions that we ask every guest on the new series of the podcast. Okay, are you ready? Sure. <laughs> Let's do this. When and where are you at your happiest? Um. I think just hanging out with my family, with my kids and my husband, um, you know, when we're say eating dinner and I'm hearing what my kids have been up to when I'm not there with them. So at school, I love to hear their opinions and hearing how they're kind of developing. And obviously it, it doesn't always stay lovely. There'll be <laughs> arguments at the table too, but um, yeah, I think that it doesn't always fill me up. What's your favorite thing to do that nourishes your mental health? So my husband and I, ever since the kids were really little, have always been really good at just taking time out, like days out for ourselves, you know, date days. And what I really love about this is that we bond much more deeply because a lot of evenings when we kind of are tired and put the kids to bed and done dinner and everything, we just have time and energy for the um, life admin chat. Um, mm -hmm. 
And when we actually take the time to spend time together, we kind of get past the admin chat and we connect a lot more deeply again. And I'm hearing, you know, what his aspirations are, or thoughts are about much more interesting issues and podcasts he's listened to and had an insight on. And I'm like, okay, this is, you know, this is us again. I think uh, I certainly find in my therapy work that a lot of people feel very guilty for taking time away from their, you know, family and, and, and work. But I think of it almost like a team building day because we are a team. And if you have that time, it's like the foundations of the family that are staying strong. So, yeah. What piece of advice do you now know that you wished somebody would have told you earlier that would have made you a happier person? To... Remember that nobody's paying as much attention to you as they as you think they are. That sounds a bit negative, but I think I've often worried as, you know, growing up that everyone's like looking and judging me and thinking things about me that they probably just weren't. Lots of people just in their own worlds, living their own lives and, you know, just wanting wanting good things for themselves and not really paying that much attention. So I think you know, that allows you the space to make mistakes and just give things a go and um make yourself vulnerable without fearing that people are going to reject you or think badly or or watching you um, every move. What is the most important one thing that needs to change to make the world a happier place? I would really love it if all leaders and decision makers, so every level, but particularly in government, (laughs) had to do compassion training before taking any of these kind of leadership roles so that their decision making was coming from a place that was informed by compassion. Mm, Love that. And finally, what is a simple, actionable first step we can take when it comes to getting through the festive period? that will help us on our mission to building a happier life. I'm I'm sorry if it's boring, but I'm going to say the same answer I've said again, because I just think repetition doesn't hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, go for it. Take 10 minutes after this podcast, for example, today, before you forget to sit and think about the upcoming festive period and think about previous festive periods that have gone well and what it was about the, the ingredients in that that felt good so that you can make sure you're dropping those ingredients into this festive period. Fab. Okay. More on you. How can we find you? You've got a website. It's drclareplumley.com with a silent B. Yes. And no E. (laughs) P-L-U-M-B-L-Y. And you're on the gram, instagram.com forward slash drclareplumley, spelled P-L-U-M-B-L-Y. Yeah. Thank you again, Dr. Claire. Have a lovely Christmas. Thank you. Take care. Thank you again to Dr. Claire Plumley, and thank you to you for listening to this episode of the Happier Life Project with me, Gabby Sanderson. Now, a few days after Claire and I recorded, I did get an email that came through to podcast at mypossibleself.com with a question for Dr. Claire. And, you know, because it's the time of year that it is and because I can tell that this person is really struggling, I sent the question to Dr. Claire and she was very kind and she answered it um, for you. You know who you are. Okay, the question is, hello, I have bipolar disorder. Three months ago, after supporting my mum, she suddenly passed away. I now care for my dad. Two weeks ago, my emotional support dog suddenly passed away. Last week, my dad's brother passed away. It has been my responsibility to inform everyone, including my dad. 
Now I have to represent my dad by traveling down south to my uncle's funeral. My husband will be with me, but it's a five hour train journey to what will be a bleak burial service. How can I safely distance myself from the painful event and manage to represent my dad? I have no option but to go. And this is Dr. Claire's response. I'm so sorry to hear about so many losses in such a short period of time and the responsibility of the funeral to attend on top of it. The loss of loved ones is incredibly hard, especially while managing your own mental health issues. And it sounds like your dog played a very important role in your life too. Firstly, it's important to remember that this is going to be painful no matter what. Don't be hard on yourself for these feelings. They are natural and we cannot rush through grief. I appreciate that your dog played a significant role in supporting your emotions, so this will be hard. But do you have any other strategies for soothing yourself that you have learnt in the past, such as breathing techniques or soothing items that you can use, such as a special item like a stone or your dog's old toy? Familiar smells or tactile items are good. Or a playlist with your favourite songs. Things like this can bring comfort and help to ground us too. Something small you can bring with you and wrap your hand around discreetly in your bag might be good. During the funeral, give yourself permission to step away if things become too overwhelming. Find a quiet space where you can take a few moments to yourself. Your husband will be with you, which is a great source of support. Talk to him about your feelings and let him know what kind of support you'd like from him. And don't hesitate to lean on him when you need to. After the funeral, make sure to take the time for yourself. This could be engaging in activities that you find soothing or therapeutic, or simply allowing yourself time to rest and process your emotions. Grief is very tiring, even without all these extra duties and the long travel you are doing. Dr. Claire. And all I would like to add is if you are suffering with your mental health, there is a crisis button on the My Possible Self app, which will signpost you to the correct information for immediate expert advice. For those of you who are listening on one of our podcast platforms, the My Possible Self app is completely free to download and access all of its content, so you don't need to worry about it costing you anything. If you are in crisis or you think you may have an emergency, please call your doctor or the emergency services immediately. The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the interviewer, which is me and the interviewees. The content of this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for professional or medical advice. The Priory Healthcare are not involved in the production or content of this podcast. If you found this or any of the episodes helpful and you haven't already left us a review, go on, tis the season to be generous. And uh, if you're not already following us on social media, we are at My Possible Self and I've been at Radio Gabby. Do take care, look after yourself. And I'll see you on the next one with our mental health PT, Dan Hancock, 
We're going to talk about a new year, new relationship with exercise. Bye for now.